This is the Earth Regenerators Podcast. Hello, everybody. Nice that you're here. Today, we are talking with Vivek Ghani, one of the very active Earth Regenerators members that has worked on many, many, many cool projects in the space. And we're here to tell his story and how he got into regeneration. So the first question that I would like to start with, Vivek, is who are you? Ooh. Well, I, I kind of hesitated when you first reached out to to me because I was like, well, do you really want to just interview some unemployed weirdos just kind of going through a lot of feeling out what I'm doing in life? Um, I have been, I guess, kind of a typical tech engineer for maybe at least 15 years um, in America. If that, you know, since this is Earth Regenerators, I'm I'm currently in... um, uh, Austin, the Austin, Texas area, um, kind of being a caretaker. And in the mean, when I have time, you know, helping out every here and there with the, the ER community on the online space, you know, answering questions. And I've been a note taker guy at, at certain points. Some have known me for that. Um, and, hmm, who am I? <laughs> That's, you know, I, I still kind of identify a bit as that engineering type, but when you're in these spaces and you hear things like, well, what is that really for? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, you know, that, 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 that's a big provoker. I mean, and we could kind of go into a rabbit hole of like, you know, some of the conversations that have gone on and I don't think we want to get there yet, but um, yeah, I think that sums me up well. It's like, I don't, you know, I think some will say, oh, just a normal person, you know, kind of confused about life. And I think that was, that made me hesitant about even being on this podcast, but you kind of think you said this was, this would be the perfect person to be just, you know, someone who's just navigating things. So, yeah. I think so. Well, thank you that you have joined. So you said that you were mostly just a regular tech guy, basically. When did your path branch out into regeneration. What does regeneration mean to you? You know, um, I think probably for a lot of people, and I even see this in conversations with friends now, it's like, there's always that kind of like, what the heck are we doing? It's like, and sometimes you can't get to that moment of depth in conversation. Um, usually you're kind of navigating either just the latest thing that you're trying to get through in life. But I know even back maybe like 2006, you know, you graduate your college and you, you're like trying to, you, you know, you have your first job and you're, you know, you're about to buy your first car because you need to go to that job. And I know I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm jumping on the train. Right. Um, I think that was, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, 
you know, it's, it's a question of whether you can carry that thinking about that thread. And at least in America, um, there's the, you know, you can carry that thread and it may not lead you into the places you want. Cause I remember, um, you know, about a decade ago, you know, there's things like peak oil, right. You know, like these things that were in, um, framed around either social collapse or, you know, they're framed around like survivalism or, or prepperism, prepper culture, you know, things like that, you know, it's, and you can, those are everywhere, you know, in American culture, but, and even, but it doesn't gesture at, um, you know, some of the things we've talked about on ER, like a, a territorial scale culture, um, you know, acting in right relation to, you know, the territory itself or, you know, getting into something that might be even, you know, I don't think I even heard the term bioregional up until maybe three years ago. <laughs> so so um, th that was kind of where I was maybe a decade ago. It's like, there's that thread of like, huh, there's, there's, there are these things out there. I'm kind of, I kind of listen in the sidelines. There's some people in the space I've listened to for well over 10 years, but from a distance. Um, and, you know, maybe about after, you know, that period, I, I think, I, you know, I think many people were in the space of like, well, okay, I don't want to, perhaps I don't want to use my car as much or something, right? You make those consumer decisions and you say, well, how do I do that? I, okay, while still having a livelihood, let me move to a city. So I had, you know, moved to the Seattle area around 10 years ago, around 2012, 2013. And you're still in this uh, mindset of kind of like, uh, you know, okay, I can use this thing less, I can use my car less or something, right? And still be, I carry this maximizer mindset of, uh, well, I can still do these other activities, right? I can still, I don't know, go snowboarding or something, right? Or, you know, but I'll do it with friends, you know, um, you know, so mostly still in these normal social scaffolds, right? Um, and, you know, you can carry that model, but then it, you know, maybe there's moments where it's crashed. Um, I know for some, it's been around uh, the 2016 election in the U.S. I think that was something, a moment where, like, just, you know, my assumptions just didn't make sense anymore. And you notice maybe... Some of them named it as a social depth between maybe you're really trying to think about these issues and everybody else is just like another day of work. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, things aren't, things are weird, but let's just keep working. Right. Um, yeah. There's, there's a bit of the depression around that for me. And I had friends just trying to say, you know, go back into just find a hobby, you know, <laughs> right. Get into dancing or roller skating, which, it's wonderful. It's like sometimes you need to do those things. It may not be right to think about uh, planetary collapse or something, right? So, um, yeah, I think around there, there's some turning points around where my mental models were around things around that time. And then around 2018, I know there was some moments, some opportunities for me to say that I had... I'll say that I have the privilege of coming from a family that came from a kind of village rural area of India in the Northwest Karnataka state. And I'd gone maybe once, maybe at least 
10 years beforehand and it just wasn't, it was I was just like, okay, well, you know, there's, it's just a lot less here, but the combination of, you know, you go back to a place like that where you're sleeping on the floor, realizing the, the household structures are even set up where like the cows will, you'll sleep with the cows. Um, and then going from that back to modernity, like, you know, I had gone, I had gone from a situation like that back to, you know, sleeping in a very fancy ho- corporate hotel for my day job, right. Immediately after, and just like seeing these disconnects and, what really drove this a bit more was uh, there's a paper called The Good Life, and it's done by, I think, Leeds University. And I had found, I think I had heard about this through some others, but it's, I think also a talk by Joe Brewer and Kate Rayworth at the R3.0 conference in 2019 also kind of referenced this. And it's like this bubble chart showing social thresholds achieved you know, like, you know, not being in a very, um, you know, where you have some relative autonomy to, you know, perhaps marry who you want and et cetera, versus um, biophysical boundaries transgressed. And so you have maybe people living like a one planet livelihood down here, you know, perhaps like India, where you don't have too much social autonomy as you would want. And then you have the US over way over here, where it's, you know, we have a lot of autonomy, same with like Northern Europe, but um, we're consuming, say, four or five planets of stuff and it's framing it away. It's like, oh, I don't, it's like, it's still, it's something we don't even talk on ER as much as we should. It's, it's like, how are we really thinking about, uh, you know, our planetary consumption? Because some of it is just entrenched. Um, like, you, like, I need a car where I am right now. Um, so that was that was kind of like an interesting frame break. But I mean, you can kind of gesture from these two points and kind of go into inquiries like, well, is there some way to go into this other place of, you know, humans not having some social autonomy better than like some, some things imposed by religion, but still not consuming five planets of stuff. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a, some of, Framed that as that design challenge, and I know Joe has also framed it um, around the uh, the planetary boundaries framework, where he he introduced that. And so this is where I actually introduce where I how I came across Joe. Um, I was kind of like I think there are a lot of people who've gone into the frame of life. Uh, doing contemplative inquiry meditation. And I had come across uh, Daniel Thorson who had the Emerge podcast. And in 20, I think late 2018, 2019, he did a series on uh, a number of these, uh, I guess, collapse aware speakers. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it was inspired by probably Jim Bendall and et cetera. And I think that's where I first came, came across, uh, Joe Brewer person and I had I think for most of my life I realized most of my like you know you get your two weeks of vacation time or whatever in the U.S. you know most of that time had gone towards the the social scaffolds of going with friends on some vacation or going to their weddings or so forth um or going with family um 
And I was like, well, okay, I don't have those things. I'm kind of in my, everybody else is already kind of married off. Um, and I kind of, on, on kind of a whim and some encouragement of friends, I was like, okay, let me go to this Costa Rica thing. Who, who goes to something, who goes to another country called, to, to a workshop called Managing Planetary Collapse? <laughs> I mean. Sounds like fun summer vacation to me, no? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of where I had kind of said, okay, let me, let me explore the thing, the thread that was kind of niggling in my mind for 10 years. Right. Yeah. It, it kind of led me still down more of a, kind of like a, like a, almost I was going to be like this academic studying type. <laughs> it was like, oh, let me study all these topics, but it's, just, it, it's a lot. Um, what does regeneration mean to you? Did you have a concept of that before you joined Earth Regenerators actively as well? Or is that something that really developed inside Earth Regenerators? I still don't know what it means. Um, because I have followed different spaces um, of, of this term. And I know in some, you know, they will take the agricultural definition, like because there's this... Uh, I would call industrial regenerative movement where they're looking at soil health and et cetera. And then, you know, I know Joe Brewer in his book has a much more, it's, it's a rigorous yet simple definition, I believe, which is kind of, you know, you know, eat the right nutrients, avoid toxins and be in service to life. I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the sum just of how he defines it. And so I've been afraid of that term in general just because of how it can get perceived in so many different ways. And I think, um, you know, you could be, there's a lot of things in social media right now that do, you know, hashtag regenerative, or it might be even hashtag refi. And I, 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 I still get a little bit lost on the context that what these messages are being said. So I'm hesitant. I, I don't know if I'm, I think I'm trying to avoid answering your question because I don't know if there's a good answer in a space, especially because of my own lived experiences of being in places where people are kind of living kind of single planet consumption livelihoods. It's like, they may not even be regenerative because they've been, they've gone through so much conflict to, be ha to have you know you know imp like some different type of practices imposed on them you know compared to a hundred years ago um so you know i guess my question is maybe for what is regenerative is um another person i learned about through joper was a uh, this author named dietrich dorner and there's this phrase i really love from him saying you know what is it to be remaining in inquiry um quote um and so how so this makes me seg to this other framing of uh there's a book that many in the er community had read called hospicing modernity and which is written by a author in canada named vanessa andriotti and you know i think for what one says regenerative you know maybe visualize it as and I'm quoting her, it's like, visualize you're on this tightrope and walking on the tightrope. And you have this balancing bar. Of, and the bar is kind of made up of, you know, two weights. 
One is intellectual rigor on one end and relational rigor on the other. I think that's kind of the act what we're, we're doing. And in addition to that, because we are on this very dynamic and changing planet, um, there's another framing by, I think, Daniel Christian Wall referencing uh, someone else, which is, you know, this act of the rope is on this rope. You're also walking and trying to do a degree of dynamic homeostasis, quote. Um, so that kind of means you're walking on this tightrope and you're also trying to change your shirt at the same time. <laughs> and then to go into, you know, I think what people are trying, like you were trying to do in Barichara or Joe's trying to do in Barichara or people on ER are trying to do is, is um, a term that I've taken from Joe Brewer, which is, quote, dynamic coherence, which is you're not the only one changing your shirt <laughs> on that rope. Other people are doing it at the same time. So I don't know if that helps you helps us define what regeneration is, but it's just I see it as a just a dance, and we're all kind of feeling our way through it, and there's going to be ripples along the way. I really like that framing. That's a really cool picture. Just yeah, a group of people dancing on one tightrope, all trying to act and interact all at the same time. I like it. I yeah. like it. Okay, so how did you then actually end up with Earth regenerators? Um. So I had met Joe Brewer in Costa Rica in 2019 and he was in, you know, still kind of, even he was going through his ups and downs. I think he had kind of had a transitional phase after Costa Rica where he was trying to figure out what the heck, where the heck are we going next? Um, and actually, yes. Tell, tell me more about that workshop. That sounds really interesting. I didn't know that there was such a thing. Yeah. Um, and this is, rooted in an article we maybe we can put it in the show notes. It was called um, The Strategic Framing. I think it was called The Strategic Framing of Planetary Collapse, which was just introducing this, you know, hey, you know, so many things in American culture, just in general, like, uh, think just in terms of social collapse, right? You know, they think about, like, you know, there's some, and there's some wonderful work, um, it's like Nafiz Ahmed has some wonderful pieces on that. Um, and Nate Higgins has a lot of things on energy resource availability under the great simplification series that he's doing. But I think Joe is really trying to drive back this, you know, might be controversial, but it's just like this, this argument that, hey, why aren't we looking at, you know, the overall biodiversity loss and everything else that's happened over you know, hundreds of years to really, you know, get at this, you know, deeper matter of, of, of what we're doing in terms of cultural evolution. So the Managing Planetary Collapse workshop tried to gesture in that space, and it also tried to do a bit of a grieving process. So, you know, it was maybe about 10 people. It was a, a small group, um, but it was is trying to help one process their own emotions or where they're going at the time. And I think he's been evolving that message since then. So that's, it's been interesting to see how he might, how Joe Brewer may be evolving that message over time. Um, he might be more in the post-grieving process now of just trying to, you know, really 
figure out how to make a place like Barichara or the greater territory, you know, get towards this, you know, regenerative culture, you know, may not happen in his lifetime, may have may happen over time, but you know, what are the little the dancing steps to get towards something more like that? Earth regenerators is as how I joined that. Um it was just uh it was me still following, you know, what was going on with Joe and he had started that around I think late 2019. Um, and obviously it was very, it started out with a very academic-y framing that some may say it was, it was the series of crowd casts. And then the pandemic really get it, got into full swing two, three months in. So it led to this, you know, influx of people um, joining um, good and bad in, in some, some ways, because you can have um, different questions coming in. But um yeah, it's. I think that that brought a lot of people together. I watched, um, I think the book club form for the first time to read the manuscript draft manuscript of the design pathway for regenerating Earth that was formed by Gail Burkett, be a wonderful person for you to interview. What else formed? There was that cohort group at the time. I think there was a there was kind of a group of us who were kind of. Exploring this topic, we were also may have been taking. I was also taking this that ecosystem restoration design course at the same time. As you know, I think some of us, a lot of us, were stuck at home. We're like, well, what do we do? And especially some like me were, you know, like had recently lost their jobs. They're like, well, really, what are we doing? So, um, I think for a number of us, this was an interesting time to kind of make space for possibility. I would say so. That's so it led to a lot of emergence of, of just figuring out what we're of, of trying to collaborate and talk to people. Um, I had never really used uh, tools like Zoom very much before the pandemic. Um, so it was interesting to see um, what, say, like Benji Ross had introduced around campfires, um, which led to a lot of num lovely conversations. So. Yeah, I, I think that that would describe the early days. Um, emergent kind of, you know, a mix of different groups coming in at, at different and with and nobody quite knowing what they're um, getting at, but you know, there were these sparks of oh, depth in between. So yeah, interesting. And then from then on, where earth regenerators kind of went into this i guess finding phase of what really are we and how do we want to present ourselves to the world and which then i guess the website came in as the book came out and so on do you remember some interesting conversations or processes that you went through trying to create a governance council yeah like that yeah those so there i guess um yeah there were some interesting conversations around the government i was so i was a participant in this first attempt to do governance design. And orig the original intent was just, uh, hey, there's a lot of people that joined this platform and you know, Joe's doing a lot of moderation work, I guess, by himself. And you know, how do we how do we keep this going in a hopefully more distributed or decentralized fashion so it's not all on a single person? Um, and as some have suggested, I think the challenge at that time is this question of what are we actually defending? <laughs> you know, it, it's not, 
on the ground it's it, and we're not sharing trying to figure out how we share like the yield of a crop or something um what are we actually defending um and but it did lead to some good initial conversations like i know for one this thought that Joe had introduced, which is going back to this definition of regenerative, you know, I know Joe had introduced this phrase of like, are we, you know, perhaps we are decolonizing regenerative work because, you know, there's this buzzword around it and it had takes so many different meanings in like a business context of your, or something else if you're in, in America. So it's like, maybe, maybe we're decolonizing regenerative work and kind of seeing the other domains of what it can be. Um, that, that's something I think hopefully we keep carrying on. The other thing I would say that makes, that's hopefully going to keep going for us. And I think it was what was prototyped by Joe during that early, that first phase was this idea of a learning journey, right? And it didn't, it originally it was just, you know, uh, crazy Joe travels and I'm going to do, he's doing this thing on Saturday. Right. <laughs> and people came and then that was it. <laughs> right. And then it evolved. Uh, Diego Gali, who's he's still on here. Uh, he introduced this idea of like having community conversations a, a couple days after the call. And that I think has stuck around for the other learning journeys that have been done. And so this interesting scaffold of having some, small backbone of, of a learning series. You know, it's not like a full-on college course, but it's something to, you know, onboard people into realizing, oh, this is what we're talking about. It's a little bit outside of just the information flows of just seeking something for oneself per se, although that can still happen too. Um, but, you know, how, how do you have this little bit of an, of a, educational scaffold to help facilitate some more uh, conversations with that. So I think that's, that's, that's hopefully something that sticks around because I think that that's been a huge difference over any social network or online community I've ever been in. So what other projects have you been involved with as Earth Generators has progressed through? Time. So you mentioned one about the website and that's kind of an interesting one because it's, it was kind of formed out of a, a what we called the book marketing or unmarketing group. Um, originally, mm -hmm. I think we were thinking about doing something more aligned with the book and it was, I think it was an interesting time for everybody. I think this is kind of, a, it gets into some of the challenges with, a volunteer driven base of, you know, uh, sometimes you might be the burning soul trying to carry something through, or you may th have thought you could be there for the project and things kind of ch uh, change for you personally. So it's, it's, it was an interesting experience to see how, how people can collaborate over, you know, period of, you know, several months, um, and, you know, how, how, how a project can carry through. So, um, but there are some lessons in that, um, too. Like, I think there was some very, as you may experience in, in some of the meetings you have related to Barry Charles, like having meetings that help ground people to kind of be their own dancer, hopefully, 
later on matters a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> in some of the calls, Joe's really kind of introduced this idea of like, hey, how can we be like, uh, you know, inspired by a dancer named Merce Cunningham, who kind of just encouraged others to be their own dancer and kind of just make things happen without trying to seek a permission for everything. So, or just finding their own voice in that. Um, so I think that that's something I, I took a lesson from, from that project. Um, and then another thing that I had been involved with, which kind of happened partly out of requests and then partly out of listening was, um, uh, I, we, I think we call it just the Earth Regenerators History Pod right now. And it was really just uh, a mixture of noticing that I had been kind of the librarian guy to some degree, but then also realizing there was this culture center forming, or I think it was called just pro-social group, like names evolve in here. Um, but it started out as, hey, let's make a logo, right? And, let's, and then it's like, well, we're making visual identity. Well, what's our identity, <laughs> right? Um, there, there's that thread of, of, of questions going on with the group. And there is also at the same time, people coming into the space who's had like an idea, a more professional idea. Like I, I am a pro-social dot world trainer, right? You know, as endorsed by the pro-social world dot world people, right? Of, uh, you know, Paul Atkins and David Sloanism, yada, yada, yada. And like, you can come with this like very professional context and, and, uh, you know, say, oh, we need this. And oh, we need, and it's like, well, sometimes you need somebody to say, hey, we've actually tried that before and it didn't work. <laughs> So that was that was kind of the motivation for for that project, and I hope that it carries on. Right now, it's 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 just a, a glorified Google Doc. That's all it is. It's but you know it tries to gesture towards hey, there's there's some value in having these references for for the past. So, do you want to share some of the learnings from that doc with us that strike you as very important? Mm. One would be. And this kind of harkens back is I think one was uh, you can't get too mechanistic about, you know, these collaboration mechanisms uh, around these methods of collaboration. Because I know there's, you know, there's things that can help, though, with, with how they're trained. So I know at one point we've gone through uh, sociocracy training with Ted Rao, and it's actually very interesting yet you, you know if you enforce it to like a you know the nth degree to a like a you know if you go too deep into just looking at the sheet for every little thing like you may lose the depth that you were trying to organize your group around in the first place and the same goes with pro-social like i was making a point of a few minutes ago and my understanding is that even with that um they're they're trying to re vamp themselves the, the pro-social group like after you know seeing some of the experiences even on earth regenerators my understanding is that jp parker might be carrying some wisdom to to for them to kind of improve their teachings so i think that would be a big one that's the one that really sticks out personally for me those two 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because this is, Rachel called it in her episode, institutional yeah. memory of earth regenerators. I think that is really important. For example, I come in, I've been active on earth regenerators for maybe four months or something like that. And even then only half active. I have only recently started dabbling in some of the subgroups. So it's really easy to just not have the context of things. And I think that that is one of the key signs of maturity of a community is when they have gone through the process of recording to some degree, who are we, what are we trying to do and what have we been trying to do until now and what has worked and what hasn't worked and create. This can be a written down document or it can actually be like a learning journey pre-recorded or something like that or community calls coming in uh, to everybody that's interested that's signing up to the community. So I think that that is incredibly important work and thank you for starting to work on it a little bit at least and we'll see how it keeps yeah, on going. Yeah, huh? no, it's, I think that's a, you're getting at another challenge here is like how do we also in a online community, how do we perceive each other at times? Because um, it could be one person just kind of seeing less resources and saying, well, I can, I have, I can tolerate sacrificing to, you know, make something happen, you know, for a period of time. But another person may see that as, oh, this is this person with this privilege of free time. I think we have to figure out still, you know, how we come to some, I hate to use the word coherence, but just understanding of, you know, where people are at a given time or what people are, mm-hmm. um, we're, yeah. Cause I think there's, there's, a, you know, there's, there's differences in, you know, it's obviously it's not like you and I are getting paid for this per se, or some people may be in the future. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of questions around like, we're, what, you know, you know, where people, what kind of situations people are in, what are their stressors and, you know, how do we, how do we kind of reflect afterwards? So. Mm. In our interactions until now, you have always seemed to be like a very thoughtful person when it comes to how do we develop community? How do we develop community decision-making? Um, you probably have never like written down, these are Vivex three guidelines to developing successful community or something like that. But Are there any thoughts, any basic principles that you follow when you approach these kinds of things where you have to balance exactly well volunteer uh, in time investment on the one hand, social relationships in general on the other hand, and so on? Are there there some basic things that you think about when you approach all these things? That's a really good question. There's for anybody going into these spaces that, you know, you may just have your lessons learned of the past and, uh, this is another point I wanted to bring up that around any online culture, even on ground culture, like where you are is, you know, we're all carrying our traumas into these spaces or, you know, our, our stressors, etc. So I think going into the, this is more of a going into the future is um, getting an understanding of, you know, we're, you know, what our current state is, if, if there's any kind of stressors going on for us beyond uh, just that may impact, you know, how much time we can commit to something. Because it's very easy, especially with, say, something like a, 
even something that seems as humble as a website is like, oh, this actually takes more time to do than you thought. And sometimes it's because I'm waiting on another person to make a decision, you know, to, around like art assets or something. Um, so, yeah, understanding the tempo of commitment that one can have for something like this. And then I think a deeper thing is kind of figuring out, you know, which is pro-socials, what they call the core design principle number one, you know, just figuring out the shared values. Um, it's hard because I think we're, a lot of us are still just, we're just figuring that out a lot. <laughs> it's, it's just like, we're just on CDP one, let alone all the other, the seven other ones. So, yeah. No, it becomes really difficult because of course, when you have a community that's also constantly growing, some people that have been active for a while are fading out. Some people that are starting to be active are fading in. So the there's a difference between the entirety community and then there's a difference yeah, to the actually active community at the same time, which is even more in flux probably than the overall community and the voices in there. And then saying, okay, we're going to do this chronologically. We're going to first do CDP1 and then the other ones. I feel like you basically have to constantly keep reconsidering CDP1, shared identity and purpose, and will never even continue. So that's a really big conundrum where I think, yeah, we, we can definitely refine the pro-social process both in Urfa generators and probably for every other community that wants to use it in the future too. Yeah, yeah I would say it's, I mean, I think that's where you have over time, you have, you know, the different pods form, right? Of people and saying, well, this subset found really has found some resonance around CDP1 and they're, they're going to do their thing and they're going to be awesome at it. And hopefully, you, you know, there's not going to be too much overlap. I think that's always going to be another a topic of like, how do you kind of mitigate um, the possibilities of parallel efforts, like doing the same thing, stepping on toes. That's because mm-hmm. I know that comes up a lot. And then another one, because of kind of the information architecture of this website is, is going to be that, how do you kind of avoid information asymmetries, I guess, which is where two people may be have something that is kind of overlapping, but they can't talk to you. You know, they may not hear the story on the other side. And it was a problem uh, earlier on when there was this cohort group and there was this other group trying to, I guess, create the first learning journey or figure out what that would be. Um, so it's just, it's worth, it's worth, that's another kind of lesson learned in the history books. So how do we keep watching for that and making sure that we're not getting too just in, you know, that pod that's doing awesome stuff, you know, how are they eventually talking about what they're, you know, you know, what's going on and if there's some needs that are more meta to the community or, or that they're trying to do. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it is. A great idea to go into smaller groups because they're going through the different pro-social principles or just forming an effective group is a lot easier. But at the same time, if you're just meeting with some people in a Zoom call and don't really publish too much into the rest of the into the rest of the ecosystem, then there might be double efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you both come out, it's like both coming out with the mathematical proof after 20 years of working on it. And then the person that was one week earlier gets all the credit and the other people are like, well. God damn it. It's a difficult yeah. balance. 
Okay. Are there any other projects that you've been working on in Earth for Generators or even if it's unrelated to a project, particular memories that you have that were really important for you personally, as in happy or challenges that you encountered in the Earth for Generators journey? I think two, one, two notable ones were the, the ones we talked about already, the website project, the governance group, and the, well, three, um, and then uh, this history pod. Um, I'm trying to figure out my own balance right now, and there's... Um, I, I've, I've kind of been wondering, you know, what would be the, I think a number of us keep asking what it would be the better onboarding experience into these spaces. Um, and it's, I mean, it's one of those things that it's, it's meta, like, how do you, how do you write something that attempts to reflect, you, you can't, you can't write something that reflects everything going on, obviously. So, um, there's that question of how do, how do you do the stuff that might be serving a system as a whole, hopefully not getting too many tomatoes thrown at you when you do get it out there. And then um, just making sure it's somewhat maintained over time. So mm. yeah, I, I would say that's the other project that I'm kind of thinking about. Um, beyond that, I'm I'm also just trying to, say I've, I've kind of done what I, I've had my phase of, of things and there's so many other people that have come on board and are doing some amazing things. I just want to just, just see and be, just kind of listen. There's a lot of really inspiring people on Earth for Generators. I constantly feel torn between working in person and having all of the amazing experiences here that I can have. And at the same time, there's invitations to the culture center call. There's invitations to this guy's um, talk and this person's conversation and that kind of learning journey. Let's have a teaching on animation and so on. There's, it's difficult to find a balance. Yeah. Do you have any regenerative projects on the ground that you're working on right now? Uh, I think more smaller scale, yeah. but... Um, again, I don't know whether to call it regenerative, um, but... Um... The thing that drove me back to Austin, the Austin, Texas area a couple of years ago is I, you know, I do have family that's getting a bit older. So I've been kind of a quiet caretaker type, just trying to, you know, help them get more organized in things. So it's not, that's not regenerative, but it is kind of a question of how do I, you know, outside of this realm of, you know, somebody seeking the rainbows of, you know, let's say some someone who just discovers you on Twitter and says, I'm going to go to Barichara next week, you know, um, what, are, what you know, you may be outside of that escapism, like, what are the piles of poo that you may need to compost? So maybe that's not regenerative work, maybe it is. Um, so for me, that's been kind of the journey for the past year and a half for me is, you know, how do I help people who, who close to me that kind of need, need help. So, um, there's the family of just, you know, just trying to help them be a bit more organized and ensuring that they're not completely collapsing, but then, um, and, and there is kind of a, a, a small bit of a land situation in, in the area where my parents were part of an earlier generation of uh, kind of master gardeners and water harvesting, et cetera. Um, you know, they're pretty well known in the space about, you know, 10 years ago. And 
and you know, I'm trying to see, okay, they had this thing that they had intended to be called an organic farm and learning center. Is there something that could be done there or, or not? You know, it's, I think this is something I'm still dancing with, but what it's led me to do over this past summer is just spend more time in this very old farmhouse, it's just, you know, a small house that was built like about a hundred years ago almost. And just, just try to fix things and just kind of find what it is to you know feel into what you know a place would be where you know you actually can access the um say the pecan trees and the and the other things there the you know the other fruit trees but you're that also implies that you're in relationship with them you're kind of wondering hey can i is this thing how do i nurture this thing to keep going um and as some may know, like Texas had a, and much of the Southwest had a pretty crazy drought this season. So it, that influences, if you're really trying to be outside every day, it influences how you see the landscape, how you see, you know, the rabbits and the swallowtails and, you know, the birds, like, are they disappearing slowly as the season changes and things like that? So that's, I don't know what to call that, but it's just, trying to find a bit more of an outside niche of sorts compared to, you know, where I was normally, which is in a city, mostly on my computer, you know, working. So feeling into the real metabolism of things and, you know, where that carries me forward is, is an interesting question. So, but it's been fun. I, Recently had, a, I've recently removed bees with some neighborly help a couple of weeks ago. So I was tearing apart this hundred year old house and having bees sting me and yeah, kind of just one of those experiences that I haven't thought about. And for most normal people, it's like, why would you do that? You, why don't you just hire somebody else to do that? So yeah. Why did you do it yourself? Um, because it, you know, I didn't want to spend the money partly, but also because, um, you know, a, a, there's in that neighborhood, there's at least four people involved in beekeeping or other things. So why, you know, and they offered to help and I was, I had a bee suit. So I was like, oh, well, and I, you know, can, can one with their, with the people around them gain the courage to, you know, go into, to get into these things so assuming you have more especially assuming you have more time than money <laughs> too you know that's a, a bit of encouragement <laughs> as well so mm. yeah so on ground project i i'm hesitant around calling these things regenerative because i know that you know, it's when when you're in a place like here, it's like you inevitably end up with needing to depend on a car more or needing to mow a lawn more. So it's like you're still using more fossil fuels, but it's, and it's still this question of like, what you know, what what leads one to some type of transition beyond just saying I I switch to electric power or something, you know. So it's 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 still that remain an inquiry for me of, of you know where is this leading me towards so. And why, why remain an inquiry? It's really difficult to stay in that space because it 
delivers you into a lot of uncertainty, mm-hmm. no? If you just decide to go with some easy answers, believe the greenwashing, we're just going to buy electric cars and everything's going to be fine. It's a lot easier, no? So why why make the effort to remain in inquiry and try to see where it leads you? Hmm. I think maybe this is just part of my own, I guess, neurological self. I mean, just coming from being the engineer who likes to debug things. It's, I think that's just kind of been ingrained in me to some degree. And it's, you may have, if you're not, if you're able to, especially if you have the means to, you know, you know, abstract and live with and, and have the power to live with these other things. I guess it's, it's, it's like, you may be okay with things, but you may still be depressed or something. You may just be outcast outsourcing, even the, the things in your mind that are in sparking inquiry to somebody else, like a therapist or something. So maybe there's that. That leads to, you know, some of these interesting provocations that come up in, in ER and earth regenerators, um, and including what Joe Brewer kind of kind of debates with people in the Twitter spaces about, which is like, is there is there is there really something called a regenerative civilization? You know, I think he has his a pretty robust, you know, answer for that and saying, you know, from saying scientifically, there's never been any such thing, you know, so. Um, yeah, why can't we, why can't we remain an inquiry around just these things we can and try to, maybe that also invites for not developing, there's that permaculture term of scales of permanence. How do you, does remaining an inquiry at least allow one to not build these scaffolds that are so permanent that they feel entrenched? So maybe that's, that's my answer Maybe by keeping this inquiry, you can hopefully keep, you know, a little bit out of being deeply entrenched or getting into debt around things or building a giant castle that you might, you may not be able to get out of or something or, yeah. Hmm. I like it. I like it. What are you most looking forward to in the next few months, next few years? What, what are the things that you would like to see happen? Can be in your personal life, can be on the national scale or by regional scale, or can be worldwide. What would you love to see happen? Hmm. I, I would say a bit more in the scope of relationship building. And I say that because I know there's been periods where I kind of had accepted a social death of sorts. I was like, I don't want to talk to my old friends that I knew back in this town. And yet, um, you know, I approached them. I had lunch with somebody the other day and they're like, Hey, we're something doesn't seem right for us. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out what we're doing next. You know, it's like, so I, I, I don't, I would say anybody going down these paths, don't, don't burn bridges per se, because I think everybody's kind of, feeling their way and if anything one could be the inspiration or might be able to carry lessons from what they've learned from these spaces outward so i hope there's more capacity among 
people around us, I mean, I mean, in real life, wherever we are, to have conversations akin to what happens on ER. Right. So I would say that is one thing I would hope for in the future. Um, personally, I, yeah, I think I, I, I'm just, I'm also in that space because I, I want to find the others in a sense um, where I am. And I've spent a lot of time just being kind of more of a quiet, lonely mouse where I am, which can lead to a lot more time to participate in Earth Regenerators, but, you know, you can't do that forever. I kind of say, and I've said this elsewhere, is that I treat these environments a little bit like what um, Jaron Lanier, who's pioneered a lot of virtual reality stuff, he, he calls these environments kind of like a wine. And it's like, it's great. It can help you kind of think about things in a different way, but do you want wine all the time? <laughs> right? Um, I think... For many of us, we're trying. It's it's kind of that question of yeah, a bit more. For me, it's like how to how to carry the lessons and into where I am, you know, real life. I think that's what mm -hmm. I hope for in the future. That's that's really it. Nice, more relationships. It is the most important thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was really nice to talk to you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with everybody who's listening to this before we take off? If you're listening to this um, and you've been kind of lurking on Earth Regenerators, um, just a reminder that um, a lot of things happen once you bring presence um, into a Zoom, into the Zoom calls, because that's where a lot of the nuances get felt into and et cetera. So just if, you know, a nudge, we host uh, campfires usually, and that, that's a good place to kind of learn more about the people behind a lot of these things. So that's, that's kind of all I can say is just, yeah, that, that encouragement to join, join a call if you've been kind of on the fence and lurking. So I wholeheartedly agree. I've been lurking, maybe posting something once in a while, and then I joined the Project Incubator call for the podcast. And it changed my understanding and feeling of community a lot, like a lot, like a lot. I've never been in such a welcoming, supportive environment online before, I think. It really changes a lot. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. No, it's good to hear that for you because I know there was even a lot of tomatoes thrown at you earlier on, you know, like when you had written your first, first post, I think about like a token sale or something so it's just yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah presencing matters so that's it okay well thank you very much vivek for joining us here today it was really nice to talk to you i think that even though you might think of yourself as just a normal guy you seem like a very deep thinker and consider about things and i value that immensely and i appreciate the work that you have been doing by yourself and with earth regenerators a lot so thank you thank you jacob well thank you for joining us here today guys we hope to see you next week bye bye this podcast is a decentralized platform for the regenerative community anybody on earth regenerators can propose or record their own episode so if you're already on earth regenerators contact jacob seidler if you have an idea for a future interview or audio essay.
And if you're not on there yet, come and join us for regular learning journeys on the pathway to regeneration, inspiration from the many regenerative projects reporting there, and a wonderful community woven around mutual support. Just enter Earth Regenerators into your search engine and find a website or follow the link in the description. Let's regenerate the Earth. <laughs>